0: Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. I am a changed woman.
1: Oh, tell me more. And I'm excited because you'll get to also experience the change in July with me. I <laughs> <Again>. So excited. <laughs> okay, y'all, I just got back from Nashville Where I went on a girls' trip, but part of that girls' trip was to go see Taylor Swift, my personal Lord and Savior, Taylor Swift. And it was so freaking phenomenal. It was epic. It was exhausting. It was emotional. (laughs) I did so much singing and yelling and dancing and standing and walking. Truly, truly, that show was incredible.
0: I'm so glad for you. And I went to
1: the one that wasn't rained on, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, you really lucked out. There was two rain shows that weekend, and you managed to be at the one that had sunshine. Literally not a drop of rain our night. Which Which is is wild. And I know a lot of people are saying they would have... Love to have been at the rain show, the the, the crazy rain show. I'm sorry. I I know it was really fascinating watching her singing in the rain, but the standing for five hours in a concourse with 70,000 other people, I literally would have had a panic attack. I probably would have found a bathroom and just sat on a toilet. (laughs) (laughs) What a fantastic idea. Literally smelling... Farts for four hours (laughs) would have been better
1: better than standing there. Someone was like, Oh, I just would have like hit up the booze cart and gotten drinks. But, and I don't know this for sure, but I'm 90% sure that they stop serving alcohol when you're sheltering in place because I've had to shelter in place once at a resort, an all inclusive resort in Mexico. And we were only in shelter for, I mean, like 45 minutes, but they cut off all alcoholic service because. They don't know how long you're going to be in shelter. What if you need to be like coherent to like leave this place? And right. Go to a different it's a place. safety issue. It's a safety issue. So I was like, I don't, I think they were actually not serving in that time.
0: And if I had drink for four hours straight, I wouldn't have made <laughs> well, I it. Kind kinda, of I kind of doubt they also, I bet they shut down merch lines. Like oh, I bet. Okay, hundred so percent.
1: So, so no,
0: it would have just been waiting. I no. will say the video footage of all the rain it, it was honestly incredible and i can't say it i'll tell you later okay, oh boy. <laughs> well
1: what i will add to that is the rain still fucked up my schedule though Oh,
0: so- 100%. i can't believe i'm glad you got back But the swiftness you made this decision is a bit shocking to me. Oh, I did not make it.
1: I was team weight at the airport. Oh. Okay, so here's what happened. (laughs) So first of all, it was a girls' trip of 11 of us. but There were six specifically flying back together on Sunday, going back to Kansas City. One of those people is seven, eight million months pregnant. And that one and another one have very, very young kiddos at home and have work that's really hard to reschedule. The rest of us were pretty flexible in our work schedule, our childcare schedule and all of that. We could get some stuff worked around. Well, we get to the airport, we get there early because we're just like bored of hanging around Nashville all day. It was so packed and the flight is delayed and it gets delayed again and then gets delayed again. And so we go through three pushbacks of the time and we're all like, kind of stressing out. We are ready to be home. We're tired. We're thirsty. We're sore, all of the things. But I am camp either call it in the sense of let's just go get a hotel and we'll try to get a flight tomorrow. Or we live at the airport now and we just have to figure out what we're going to do. The other group was very adamant about driving, going ahead and calling it and renting a car and making the 10 hour drive, knowing that the flight is not coming because of bad weather. And so driving the bad weather instead yeah 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 so I, and I cannot see at night at rain and weather travel makes me very, very anxious and I get car sick. And so I was like, I just like literally don't want to do that. But what we had kind of collectively decided is that whoever the loudest opinion is and is the most adamant about one way or the other is going to be the deciding factor. And we will all go together. We're not going to split up. The only reason we would have split up is if we weren't able to rent a large enough vehicle for all six of us. And if it was a smaller vehicle, then... Flexible people could stay around and and hang out, which I would have thought would have been hilarious because, like, probably me, Mary, and Kirsha would have stayed at the airport, and the other three would have traveled. But if we had stayed, did I tell you that the flight ended up taking off? No, I was living. No, you did not. We're halfway through our trip in this 10 hour drive where we've had to take a different route to avoid multiple hours of delays on our trip. We had to at the last minute decide, are we going to drive through Memphis? Or are we going to drive through St. Louis? What are we going to do? Oh, we need to divert off this highway and drive literally behind the Amish to avoid a two and a half hour delay because of some accident or road closure or whatever over here. It was nutty. We're constantly refreshing the map every like, 10 miles to make sure that we're going the right way. I'm refreshing my Southwest app to check to see the flights. And I'm rechecking every 15-20 minutes. And for hours, it was delayed five minutes, delayed 25 minutes, delayed 10 minutes, delayed 40 minutes, and just like on and on and on, which would have been stressful if we were at the airport just constantly hearing that it's getting pushed back. But then it said it left. (laughs) And it was gonna arrive in Kansas City at like 10 30 p.m no guess what time i got home y'all almost three almost three almost three so i delivered that bad news to the car and everyone was unhappy but it was still for the people who were adamant about driving they still said they were happy with their decision
0: waiting is still a lot waiting
1: is still stressful and driving is at least a guarantee at some point you're going to get home the flight situation, one of the reasons why we didn't go ahead and wait is because there were three Taylor Swift concerts that weekend. There were a Vanderbilt graduation that weekend and just bachelor parties, birthday parties because it's Nashville, right? So we were already had the last flight to Kansas City on that Sunday. There were no more flights to Kansas City that were available for us. So that means if this one doesn't come, it's Monday regardless. But Monday is when a lot of these Taylor Swift people are going to be leaving, and probably Vandermilt parents are going to be leaving. So every flight that's going to be going out on Monday is probably full. And what if we don't get on any of those flights to Kansas City? Now we're looking at Tuesday. And so it's just one of those things where it was like, man, it's either 2 in the morning
0: or Tuesday. Right, right. No, I get that. But I'm confused, though, because when I talked to you sometime in the middle of your trip home in the car, you had said you had already gotten a full refund. Yeah. So- so- we went up to the TSA deck
1: and we were like, shoot the shit with us. Like, be straight. We know you can't say for sure what's happening. But like blink once if you think this flight's going to be canceled kind of conversation. And she blinked. Like it was a communication. You know what I mean? And <laughs> we're, we, we had, a, I was there. I heard the inflection. I heard the tone. I saw the face. Like we did the things. And so, because the problem was, is the our plane was coming from Alabama, which was in the middle of the storm. It wasn't coming from the non-storm side. So unless we were getting a different plane, like we just didn't see hope that the storm, the storm cell was massive. And so she was just like, "Like doing this <laughs> thing." And so we're like, "Okay, we need to call it." And the line at car rental was already extremely long. And as we were trying to reserve on the mobile, cars were. Flying off. So other people were doing the same thing. And so it kind of felt like one of those like you have to just make a decision and stick with it kind of thing. So we did like they the last thing in Nashville. Run? Well, yeah. So we're in the car. So the TSA lady, we walk up to her and we're like, okay, we've decided this flight's probably gonna get canceled. We can't do it through our app though, but can you help us? We've already rented a car. We need to go get to the car. She goes, oh, they will not hold your car. You need to go down to get your car. You can call or do it online and you can get a full refund. We're like, okay. She's like, or at the least you'll get a credit and those credits don't expire anymore. They used to expire after a year, but now they don't expire. Cool beans. I don't care if it's a credit. That's fine. So we get the car, we get on the road. A Taylor, our friend, not Miss Swift, is on the phone. <laughs> is on the phone with Southwest, and she's like, "What's up, girl? We were on this flight. It's probably going to get canceled. It hasn't been canceled yet, but we need to cancel it. But there are six of my friends also need to cancel it." And the lady was like, "I've got you." So she literally took care of all of us. Just like took our confirmation numbers and was like. It's going back on Emily's card, ending in this, this, that. This person's getting a credit because they paid with the credit. You're getting points because you paid with points. Like, she just dished it out on an original payment. Amazing. Amazing. So, like, was the ride annoying? Yes. I got home at almost three. Didn't fall asleep until five. Was literally delusional for a day and a half because of that. But, like, I had great conversations with my friends in the car. We had snacks. Like, we listened to more Taylor Swift. Like, <laughs> So all in all it was fine. It was a bonding experience.
0: <laughs> I'm so glad you got home safe. I got home at 2 a.m. the night before, but I did make my flights. There was weird weather in San Francisco, just unseasonable rain, but um mm. it wasn't anything too crazy and too it was yeah. 90 degrees when we got home at 2 a.m. <laughs> at 2 a.m.? <laughs> yeah. The fuck? Who is was hell brought to Kansas? Oh we no. I was like oh my what god. is happening? And we had left fifties and sixties weather in San Francisco. So I was like, Oh my god, I'm hot. So and our AC wasn't on and it was a whole thing. But I my am- face
1: right now. I
0: immediately turned the AC on. But anyway. All of that to say, I do have updates. I promised you guys I would go to this conference and come back with shit to say to you. And I have three episodes planned as a result (laughs) of this conference. So I'm super excited to dig in. Today, specifically, I wanted to talk to you guys. We have the opportunity to sit in on a fireside chat with Sam Altman. He is the founder and CEO of OpenAI, i.e., chat GPT and one of the most (laughs) revolutionary things to come to the internet in a long time. And it was really interesting to be in the room with him, regardless of your feelings on the man himself. I did want to share with you his thoughts on do people have feelings. Yes, I got DMs. I was surprised. Some people are already very concerned about his lack of waiting for the legislation to catch up with the technology, which I was surprised that people were so concerned about. But I will just remind the room that legislation has always been behind technology and business and commerce will always be first. And so this is not the first time this has happened. Perhaps there's a lot at stake for this specific area, but he did bring it up. And so I will talk to you about his take on Legislation around AI as part of this conversation. So I will do my best to make it not sound like I'm reading my notes and <laughs> make this as conversational as possible. But we also did, just so you guys
1: know, recorded an episode pretty recently. I'll try to find the number here for you where we did talk about some other softwares outside of ChatGPT specifically that are built off and utilize ChatGPT. It's episode 740, eight new AI websites that we're trying. So you yeah.
0: we'll listen to that one. Yeah, there's a lot of technology that is utilizing open AI as their back end. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the first things that they threw at him, They're like, at one point you tweeted that AI will be the best or worst thing that ever happened to the world. (laughs) And he kind (laughs) of nervously laughed and he was like, okay, well, just to clear the room, I am much more confident in the direction that is going. And he was definitely leaning towards this will be one of the best things. This will be a very positive impact. And he said, we need to treat it with extreme seriousness, but the trajectory He's very happy with. Yeah. They did pull the room though. I was interested. They said who in the room is worried about the impacts of AI based on my very quick hand count. It looked about to be 10% or so of the room. Really? Which is. I would have expected more. I would have expected more. Now keep in mind the people in the room are definitely primarily people in the tech space, startups, or they are an active CFO. And so, you know, just coming from a different perspective. It is a different perspective. I don't necessarily think that represents the majority perspective, but of the people in the room who are definitely behind a lot of the technology improvements that are happening, they're not as worried as I think, general society is, which I think is something we should keep in mind. Now, I think the cool part and the part that we should be thinking about is like what ultimately is AI. And what this discovery actually means is that we have figured out how to create systems that can learn And that's really what's transformative. Because prior to that, we taught whatever system it was, a set of information. And the the extent of that system's knowledge was limited to what we gave the system. And so thinking about the fact that things can learn besides humans is huge. I definitely find it intimidating, but I think it's really powerful. And it is going to shift the way the world works. His take in in terms of how, he thinks it's primarily going to shift the speed of which the world evolves. And at minimum, if nothing else, make it go faster. We will see faster technology shifts than ever. And it is really going to be transformative. I will tell you, that is probably the part that I'm most nervous about. It's not necessarily that it can learn, that it can transform, that it can do all of these powerful things. What makes me nervous is how quickly I will be asked as a human to, to evolve and adapt alongside the change that's happening with technology. Yeah. yeah. Want to learn exactly step-by-step step how to get paid to generate leads in your business?
1: That's I the glad it's happening me. now, at least when we're in our 30s. And like, I know, can you imagine if
0: you were 55? Trying- <laughs> I no. already feel behind. I like, know, I know, truly. Like my kiddo, are you kidding me? I know, she's gonna be, it's gonna be insane. <laughs> the, the funny thing he did bring up, because for those of you unaware, they have the fastest user base of like anything that's been released ever. Ever, in the ever, world, ever, yeah. ever, <laughs> right? And he said, I broke all of my own rules. He said, to have something have this much virality that has literally no networking involved, there's no community aspects, there's no sharing, there's no posting, and you're not even required to register to use it in some cases. He's like, that's really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was really dumb. So I don't think he anticipated the virility that has come up as a part of yeah, it, definitely. but I think it's truly because, and this is my interpretation of him as an outsider, but I was impressed by his dedication to being a founder of a research company and that like his focus is not right now on how to make this profitable or how to have vast impact. He is in learning mode. He is in. What is this going to tell me to inform the next
1: thing or better? So He
0: was not worried or remotely concerned, in my opinion, about getting a ton of users. Right. Did he say how many paid users he did have? He did not disclose the number of paid users because for those of you unaware, access to chat GPT is available for free, but you can now pay for GPT-4, which... What, 20 bucks a month? Yeah, it's very inexpensive right now. I ran into someone who is in research. He's getting his master's in... I, I couldn't tell you the exact... Thing, But he was telling me, in his opinion, that GPT-4 compared to chat GPT was like 1980s versus built in the 2000s, 2020s. And so like the difference in technology... Like a different site? It's on the same site, but it's not the same AI. Like it is like a new version and it is a lot more powerful. But you just update the version
1: that you're using and it's that version? The
0: free version... The free version is not this version. Oh, gotcha! You have to, you pay, have to pay for the version. I understand. I yes. Understand. So the free version is still fantastic and can yeah. be used for so many things. But he was saying, if you haven't played with GPT four yet, well worth the money. Well, we're trying it. That was not from Sam. That was from other people. I kind of pulled in the audience. Interesting. Yeah. So one of the things that Sam focused on was. How people interact with their environment. And over time, computers specifically have been designed to be more natural. And when computers started, you literally had to program it to do anything. And then you were able to click on something, and that was revolutionary. And then you could type. And then, like, and so the point we're reaching is the opportunity to interact with computers or technology in general with the use of language and language is the easiest way for humans to communicate and interact whether that be written or spoken because there's so much nuance that can be communicated through words that it is much harder to communicate that in other forms or fashions, which is why the idea of being able to speak out your thoughts and ideas and then have code come out the other end, it is much harder to code your thoughts than it is to speak them and not generate the code. And so he's really excited about how it's going to make it easier for people to use and have access to technology uh, kind of across the board. They asked him what his favorite use cases were for the technology. And he was definitely the most excited for how people want to learn things. And I think that's really interesting. He talked a lot about GPT tutors and like, the use in education. And you can tell he's a researcher, but he was really excited specifically on using it, not just for students, not just in an education environment, but also for you to grow your own set of skills. And I, th- I think that's cool. And also specifically, how people will interact or control a computer in the future. And so... You know, not that we're going to lose the mouse or the keyboard anytime soon, but I think you know they added Siri. I should say it quietly to (laughs) to uh, your computer, and you know you can say "Hey Google" and Uh or Alexa or whatever, and you'll wake Uh these things. I think the thought is, how will. Those things that are already built into the devices we're utilizing, how will they evolve as and actually be able to assist us in the ways that we were hoping? Like, imagine being able to speak out loud Hey, will you call my doctor and schedule an appointment for me? And the technology being yeah, there to know who it. your doctor is, yeah. make the right phone call, and look at your calendar yeah. and schedule in enough human way for it to be a
1: natural conversation. And
0: yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Is that going to happen right away? Not necessarily, but I think it's going to happen faster than we anticipate based on how swiftly these things are happening. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's what makes me excited about the access for various people who have different abilities that could open up for different independent living situations and. Independence in general. And I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah. I definitely think the accessibility opportunities are huge. He said, they asked him, what's next? You know, we have GTP4. What's next? And he's like, (laughs) GPT (laughs) 5. Okay. He was very snarky. But he did say that he is very interested in focusing on multimodality, And for those who are not sure what that means right now, GPT-4, as far as I know, the current version is still taking primarily text. I know for sure the free version is only text. He definitely sees a future in which it'll interact with text, audio, images, CSV files, like all sorts of... <laughs> data types code like and on gpt4 you can submit image okay so i do think that is going to swiftly change because that's already being experimented with pretty heavily by other ai technologies so i think we will start to see ways to interact with more file types yeah very quickly
1: so this is what's wild to me but like i also don't care because i hate tests and I think they're actual no measurement of anyone's skill set. So I love seeing like the text taking, you know, folks get up in arms about this. But one of their comparisons from GPT 3.5, they did a test run and it took the bar and scored in the bottom 10%. We spent six months aligning GPT four using lessons from a testing program and Chat GPT. And they ended up scoring in the top 10%. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Within six months.
0: Well, uh, right. So I think that's kind of the next horizon. So the model that's currently there is biased is the wrong word. It's like it has more knowledge in certain areas. So it could be low on law. <laughs> it could be low on right, right. management or whatever, like insert subject matter right there's some areas that has a ton of data that it's learning from and other areas where it has very little and because of that the accuracy it's not as reliable yet as people would like it to be including sam they're actively working on creating more accurate models but i even saw something just today where someone fed it a multiplication problem And it was close, but it was not accurate. And it was interesting. It's like, well, it's not hard-coded to do calculations. It is making interpretations based off of what it knows about numbers in general. So it had like the first two and the last two digits accurate. And the ones in the middle were off. And so it's interesting. And someone was like, well, why wouldn't you hard-code it for calculations? And it's like the whole point is to never give it absolute data, the goal is for it to continue to learn. And so there's going to have to be evolutions to make that possible.
1: Yeah. One example here, I just think is cool because I was having a hard time wrapping my head around why you would The benefits of doing image for chat gpt4 but this is one it's just very simple but it just how much time it would save you so someone took a picture of like a phone cable like their phone and this phone cable and they literally just describe this panel by panel and so it literally said panel one, a smartphone with this connector, panel two, the lightning cable with this connect, like a VGA connector on it.
0: Like Which, sure, easy- If you're how- visually impaired, that could be massive. Because right now, the way that works is there's an app that makes a phone call to a random person, and they're FaceTiming you to tell you these things. Or even just like the box of cords that I have that I don't know. Yeah, how- I mean, I don't like, cords. right? I don't know what this goes to. What uh-huh. is it? Yep. What yep. is it? No, it for sure. It. The ability for technology to recognize things is crazy. We side tangent, but Jared and I went to a ton of gardens while we were in San Francisco. And I would be like, what's that? And Jared would take a picture and like immediately identify it with one of his apps. And it's like, what? Like that is just so crazy. I mean, that's definitely just pulling from the visual. So I'll be interested to see how that keeps evolving. The one thing he pointed out that I I mean, I don't disagree with him on. And it's something to be up against for sure. But he mentioned that humans are somewhat forgiving of other humans making mistakes and tend to not be forgiving at all (laughs) of computers making mistakes. And I just think that's an interesting concept of like, I don't think we've ever really been in a time where you and I where computers were wrong. Well, you know right. what I mean? Right. Like,
1: I the mean, t- my Google's
0: wrong all the time. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, you used a calculator and it did what it was supposed to. You open your calendar and it, uh, you know, it does what it's supposed to. And it, part of that is that a lot of testing went into place before you received the end product. But I'll be interested to see how they battle that. Because yeah. A... Because people have low tolerance for mistakes, people also, in the inverse, in my opinion, assume the answer is correct. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Well, and I'll be, you know, while, yes, humans seem to be forgiving of other humans for mistakes, the piece of the AI puzzle that I have found really enjoyable and can't wait to see how it plays out is how much money and lives are cost every year due to human medical error. In the hospital system, in the healthcare system, within the United States specifically. And if AI can do anything about diagnosing things sooner with more accuracy, medicine amounts with accuracy, like that would be incredible.
0: Mm -hmm. He did speak, and this isn't necessarily about the technology itself, but running a research-based company. And I think those, a lot of you would find this interesting. And he talked about movement and that he, while people are hired for positions, that there is a lot of flex and movement between teams and special projects. And no one stays in one place very long. They're constantly working on new problems and solving them together in groups. He also talked about creating an environment where there's loyalty, like he really wants to see people stay for many years and be a part of the journey over time. And he values what that looks like. Did he give examples of how he's making that happen? I really think it's valuing what they bring to the table, but he didn't necessarily allude to how he's creating a loyal environment, just that it's important to the foundation of how he sees the business growing. And I think from my experience, and this is my own two cents, I think loyalty and multi-year stays is massive in terms of ability to continue to grow. Mm-hmm you can do the most money and it
1: propels your business further, more consistently.
0: Yeah, because you can grow together, evolve together, push each other together. And I think that's really powerful. He did say, because this is his third startup, he's built and sold multiple companies prior to this. And he said, running a research group is different than anything else he's ever done. And really the only thing that transferred from the business model before to this was how to deal with people, like management skills specifically, and that pretty much everything else was irrelevant and didn't transfer between business types, which I think is really interesting. He also thinks that no one's honest about how hard the early days in business are. Oh, do you want to have honesty corner? And what does he mean by early days? Eight years is still early, right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. But I was like, thank you for acknowledging that God. it is rough.
1: And <laughs> also like, not to say that it isn't hard, but being hard for someone who also has tremendous capital and connections and- 100%. Like yeah.
0: imagine the additional challenges without yeah. lack of those resources. I don't need to. I have them. I don't need <laughs> to imagine. It is our reality. like <laughs> right.
1: And every woman
0: listening. I know, I know, I know, exactly. And so if it (laughs) is that challenging with millions of dollars on your plate, for context, not only are they the fastest growing, like user base of all time, they're the most capitalized startup that's ever been had in Silicon Valley. So they have more money at their fingertips than anyone else. And for him to say it has been that challenging in the early days, like. I think money doesn't solve all problems. I will, no. I will say that. Right. Right. But it it's is a helpful. lot of mine.
1: And <laughs> we were just doing a, a podcast interview and I think I'll, I'm going to use this forever now, but I said being an entrepreneur is basically like exposure therapy every single day. And it's showcasing, putting you right in front of all of your anxieties and stressors and imposter syndromes and headspace issues and mind junk and everything every single day from a different angle from multiple people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. It's so much to run a business. Now, the next thing they addressed, and I'll wrap it up soon. I did want to mention since I started the top with people do have concerns about how this is going to be regulated. Okay. And so they were like, what are your ideas about how we even approach this? And he is a firm believer that we should have global regulatory authorities over AI. Like this shouldn't be run by a state or federal government, but be an international effort. And I wish I had caught the very specific name he used, but he is interested in the modeling it off of the same global authority that has been involved in keeping atomic bombs from going off since 1945. Seems like they're doing a pretty good job. So Uh, right. And so, and that was his point. He was like, ultimately it's a major force that has a lot of power and it could destroy things. And They've done enough to make sure that a bomb hasn't gone off since 1945. And he he said, if you had talked to people in the 40s and 50s of how sure they were that a bomb would go off, it felt inevitable at that time. And so he feels really confident that they have done a lot to keep people safe and he's interested in modeling a similar not himself necessarily but having Being a part of authority yeah. model something similar and he also specifically said that there should be different regulations based on the size and capacity of the model which makes a ton of sense to me he's like he is an example said If you generate your own AI and you're running it on your own laptop at home, okay, whatever. But if what you're building has mass effect, the bigger the effect, the more regulation needs to be in place. He thinks there should be tests that needs to be passed, audits, et cetera. I would almost say the same thing about other weapons that are
1: freely given and sold into this country. I
0: mean, right. So if you have concerns there, I I will just say that like... Ultimately, as a founder, you can want to do everything in your power to create safety. And in some cases, you do have to let the world catch up to what's going on. Yep. And
1: the support that you will have in getting proper legislation is literally down to who you vote for. So pay attention to every measure that is on someone's bucket when you're listening to them.
0: So I could say a lot more. But it was a really interesting conversation. And I think there's a lot of things at play. Okay, I will say that this one more tangent, <laughs> done. but he did make a comment about working environment. That again, is not about automation. It's not about AI. But he is running a very fast growing company. And he truly believes that startups cannot be fully remote. And that people need time together. And he's not opposed to having some virtual aspects, but he says, I've been observing and I've watched startups that started during the pandemic stay remote versus those who've intentionally built time back in to be in community. And there's something that can't be recreated in a virtual atmosphere. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I don't disagree with that. You and I uh, very rarely, but still consistently will even see value in meeting up in person and having chats and organizing retreats and whatever. And, And I think the tangent I would go on that, not for very long, is that the amount of money then that's available in sectors like this tech specifically, he's the highest capital funded startup in Silicon Valley. I want him to take the responsibility to do the research and acknowledge the facts, and then fund what's going to help make that happen. Yeah, because education, healthcare, like have a spider web effect with your mission.
0: Yeah, to make those things possible, so other I, people can benefit from that. Too. I totally agree, and I don't necessarily know what that means for female-founded companies, who in many cases are required to be completely remote because of the circumstances of their own life. But I am interested in exploring how we can create more community and create more opportunity to be in connection with our team. So all of this to say, it was a super interesting conversation. I am excited about the trajectory. I am nervous as hell about myself keeping up with the technology and continuing to evolve as a founder who I would think that you guys listening look up to us. And so I want to be savvy and I find that intimidating, but it was a great chat and I'm really glad that I got to be a part of it. So thanks so much for listening. If you have your own commentary, feel free to send us a DM over at Boss Project on Instagram. We'd love to hear your take. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache?